0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another amazing episode of The Joy of Being for busy working mums and women in business and beyond who are seeking to unplug from their worries and overwhelm to light up with insight and joy. I, your host, mum, and effortless lifestyle coach, Marina Pearson, talk to transformational professionals, business owners, and creatives about what it really takes to have a business and life you can truly enjoy. And remember, you can find me on Instagram at Marina Pearson or my Facebook group, The Joy of Being. And if you'd like a more personalized touch to live a stress-free life, then why not find out more about The Joy of Being Retreat, an intimate four-day profound experience at a luxury venue in Javier, Spain, where you get to experience your inner calm and peace of mind by slowing down and making space. To find out more, email me at marina marinapearson.com with the Joy of Being Retreat in the title. So today I get to interview Liz Patrone, and Liz is a writer, blogger, teller of stories, believer in truth, and mama to four. She shares her stories on LizPatrone.com and all over the internet, and recently finished a first draft of her first book. She can also be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And what I loved about our conversation was uh, how her writing, or how in general writing, can really help with a huge epidemic i see in society today which is this feeling of loneliness and feeling that we're on our own often we think that what we're going through is actually we're the only one going through it Um, because we don't know of anybody else that's going through that and it's through voices like liz's that we get to see ourselves reflected in her experiences and stories. You know, this podcast is all about how the way in which we can experience more joy in our lives. And I think, ironically, sharing those moments when we're not feeling so great, sharing those moments where we are feeling a little bit fragile and vulnerable are just as important because it actually creates a sense that we're just all in this together, that we're not doing it all on our own, that somehow the human experience is something that we all share so interviewing Liz for me was a really it just very very key and important to reflect on this me too because somehow when we get to share our lives with others it just allows us to not feel as lonely. So her work is deeply important, deeply provocative, but also extremely nurturing and beautiful. So if you're curious about her story um, and the stories that she has to share and just generally you're a mother and you want to connect to moms talking about the difficult bits, then come and join us. So, welcome, Liz. I'm super excited to have you here today. Um, And, you know, like with life, uh, I just, I don't even know how I found you. I I guess I Googled uh, mom's business life and you came up. And then I got curious about what you're up to in the world and then found your wonderful blog and your heartfelt way of looking at life and the raw and real way that you express yourself. So I'm really excited to have this raw and real conversation with you today. So welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you for um, reaching out and inviting me to have this conversation. I I am excited as well.
0: So Liz, I'm curious about something. I'm curious about how you got started with your blog, how you got started with this whole sense of needing to express what was going on for you. Um, Because obviously you're a mama. Yep. And... Yeah, so I'm just curious about how how your journey started. Well, um,
1: I I had when I started writing, which was maybe four or five years ago, um, on the blog. And I use the term blog loosely because really it was just like me writing things on the internet and my one aunt reading them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> my one aunt who has faithfully read everything I've ever written and always responded to me. Um I had at the time. I had three young kids. Um, I had just had my third baby, and um, after her, I'd ended up with postpartum depression for the first time. I had never had that with the other two, so I'd had my third child, um, like clawed my way back out of postpartum depression, and I wanted to talk about the reality of postpartum depression, of, you know, how hard it is to have small children and try to be a working mother, although I, I mean, I think it's hard whether you're a working mother or not. That's just it's my situation. Um, and the thing is, I didn't have any time to talk to anybody because I had three young children. So I, I found that the words were going to come out one way or the other and sticking them on a page on the Internet um, seemed as good a method as any. And then slowly, you know, people started saying, oh, my gosh, me too, which is like the most amazing thing that can happen, I think, when you're in that situation, when you're in any situation where you feel alone. Um, And so then things just kind of grew from there because it seems like this amazing way to connect with people um, when I wasn't necessarily able to, you know, leave the house (laughs) or put on pants.
0: Yeah, I really you know, it's interesting because I didn't realize that I had postpartum depression either, and um, it was only until after I was through it that I realized, and people you know the women that I was around would start talking about it, that kind of also um, pointed me in the direction. They were like, "I think you must have had it." And I was like, "Oh my God." Yeah. Um, I never really realized um, until after the fact. And yeah. you know, I I think what you how you started is so beautiful because you're so right. It is uh, such a lonely journey, especially because you, we're all in our heads, right? So right. <laughs> we only think it's only happening to us unless we talk about it. But it's a big taboo. Do you not think? Have you? Did you not find that? Oh yeah, absolutely,
1: absolutely. And, and it is funny that you say that about not. Not really realizing you had it until after, because my my presentation wasn't very classic either, or what I thought was a classic presentation of postpartum depression. So there's a lot of that dialogue, like, oh well, this can't be, this can't be that, because I'm not, I don't look like, you know, they presented on TV, or I don't look like I've heard other stories of. Um, which is part of why I think it's super important to keep talking about that kind of stuff and say, here is my experience, you know, which may be different than your experience, which may be different from the experience of your neighbor down the street. You know what I mean? So that people realize that there are all these different ways that you can be struggling.
0: I don't know what it was like for you, but for me, it was very much around um, just being pretty exhausted all the time. I guess that's quite normal. Oh, God. But not being able to connect with my son, that was the most difficult part of it. I just didn't want to hold him. I didn't, you know, I was just like, I just need to sleep. I need to recuperate, but not actually having the capacity to do so. Um, And
1: then there's the guilt that you feel because you feel like you're not connecting with your newborn, you know, and we put all that guilt on ourselves because we feel like we're not meeting expectations. Yeah, that's a tough cycle to be in.
0: Yeah. So I'm curious about how you got yourself out. Like, was it through the writing? Was it through just expressing yourself and having insights around that for yourself? What was it that, that over a period of time allowed you to, to move through it? Well,
1: I did, I, I did end up going to, um, to the doctor and and asking for some treatment. Actually, I went to, I've written about this, but I went to my gynecologist or my OB for my follow-up. And I said, I I think I might be struggling here. Um, and the doctor said to me, I don't know what you're looking for. I'm not a psychologist, which I, every time I tell the story, I get infuriated all over again. Um, so that was a setback that took me a little while to recover from, but I had, you know, I had people in my life that were pushing me towards getting help. Thank God. So I, I did end up finding, um, a doctor and getting on some meds and, and really, um, going through therapy and all of that stuff, you know, which I think is super important in postpartum depression treatment, you know, and there's no shame in any of that. Um, but then, Funnily enough, after that is when I started writing. It's also when I started, I I became certified to be a yoga teacher. Um, I started really saying, okay, what do I want out of this life? Like, what is going to keep me healthy and whole and able to parent these babies in a way that is authentic, you know? And I really like took time and said, I'm going to, I'm going to pursue these things that make me feel healed and authentic and whole, Um, even though it's hard, you know, it's hard to take the time. It's hard to uh, make the commitment. It's hard to justify, but I'm going to do it. And writing was part of that, you know. It was a big part of that.
0: So what I really hear is that you just made it a priority. Um, So often we can get caught up in thinking that we don't have the time, but actually if we don't make it a priority, if it's not something that we go, yep, this is really important to me, it just doesn't get done. And what I love about what you're saying is as you put yourself first and you really saw how important that was for you to be able to then be able to look after everybody else in your family.
1: Yeah. And I, I saw my, my two older children when I had the baby were old enough that they knew that I wasn't okay when I was struggling. Um, and so I thought, them seeing me pursuing being okay, you know, choosing these healthy things to do, even if it involves me being taken away from the house a little bit more than normal, it's important that they see that, you know, it's important that they see me doing healthy stuff for myself because then I'm in a healthy place to parent them. So I don't see, I mean, I think a lot of times we think that these choices are selfish, but I don't think that they are. I think that we're making the best choice to be the best parent that we can be.
0: Yeah. I don't know where along the lines we decided that actually being a really great mom was to spend as much time with our children as possible and not look after ourselves. Like I really, right. I, <laughs> that really makes no sense to me. And, and, and maybe at some point it did, but it doesn't now. And I totally get how, yeah. I mean because our past generation, right? For some reason or another, was like selflessness to your children is not looking after yourself and basically spending all your time with them, and regardless of how you're feeling, as opposed to going, no, right. let me look me for look at look after me first because that's actually look being able to look after everybody else. Yeah,
1: and I question what sort of life lessons we we are teaching our children with that that approach to parenthood you know because what happens to them when they're in the same situation the thought of my daughters or even my sons you know totally sacrificing everything in order to be home with their families doesn't that doesn't give me a warm fuzzy feeling either i want them to continue to be vibrant healthy human beings who love their families you know i think it's possible to be both which you know, you take a lot of slack for, for saying that on the internet, but I I do think it's possible
0: to do both. So, well, I'm curious about that. I'm curious about why we, why would you get a lot of flack on the internet because of saying that? Like, what have you found? (laughs)
1: Well, I mean, to be fair, for the most part, I, ha- I have wonderful people who read what I write and interact with me, and we've built a community, and it is supportive, and I don't want to, I mean, it, most of the people are amazing, um, and I, they tell me their stories, and I tell them my stories, and it's a great, uh, amazing experience, and I, I'm not complaining, but when when you have pieces, and I've had a couple that that go, I mean, sort of viral, which is such a silly word, but, you know, that go beyond the realm of my normal little everyday writing world. Um, You open yourself up, you know, you open yourself up to all kinds and I've gotten messages from all kinds. I've been called every name in the book. I've been um, uh, threatened, you know, I mean, there's something I think that, that really triggers, some certain people about women telling their stories, women owning themselves, you know women putting themselves out there in a way that says, "I love my life, but hey, this is hard, and it's okay for me to say that that threatens some people
0: yeah, oh i so I so hear you i I um you know. <sighs> It seems like the conversation wants to go in this direction. So I'm just going to keep with it. Um, I, uh, I wrote a book called goodbye, Mr. X years ago, um, about five years ago now. And it was um, a big hit and it's been published in many different languages. Anyway, one of the, one of the things um, I started to do was to write a lot on, on the Huffington post um, and uh, mm. read your tango. And, at the time, you know, I was sharing my story because there was infidelity, infidelity involved, and I was I was the person that okay. that went ahead and did that. And I wanted to share my story because, really, what it was that I was wanting to do was to say, "Hey, all of those women that are out there, um, it's okay. Like, yes, you make mistakes. Yes, we make mistakes. Yeah. Um, but if you're on your own and you're feeling really guilty and people are dissing you down, it's okay. I I understand, and you're not on your own." So I was really writing it for them. Yeah. Oh my goodness! <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thousands of comments, and and pretty much all yeah. like, "What a bitch!" This, that, you're such a cunt. I mean, seriously, the c-word. Uh, but uh, you know. One of the things that kept me going was to think, you know, I'm sure there are women out there that are having a really hard time, that somehow, somewhere, this can really help them. And what was interesting yeah. about it was a few months later, I got an email from a lady that said, thank you so much for writing that article. It really helped me, and it really got me out of a big, big fix of, of, of guilt yeah. and, forth and so on. And I'm not saying and that... And that's what matters. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that, is, that is what matters. Yeah
1: you know, I mean, to me, that's worth it. I can say that because um, I've recovered mostly from my PTSD that I had from what's happened. <laughs> but I mean, and what and what an important topic to be bringing voice to, because there's, there's so much taboo involved in that topic. It's not something that's talked about, you know, so to be on the forefront, talking about infidelity, especially as the person who committed it, I mean, that is, it's powerful. It's huge. And it's threatening to people. It Very. is threatening to people when people are powerful.
0: Very. And owning it. And I think this is the big thing around yeah. owning, owning that story and being okay with it and then going, okay, here we go. <laughs> yeah.
1: But that gives people the freedom then to own it themselves, which is just, I mean, that's what it's all about. That's what storytelling is all about
0: to me. I love that. I've not seen that, but you're absolutely right. It's so true. Yeah, you know, something that, that sort of came to mind was something that someone else had shared with me today, Today, in fact, actually. And he said, you know, listening to one of the podcasts that I, I, I was on and talking about it was like, the more real you are with people, the more they can hear you and i thought that was very mm-hmm. interesting i'd not heard that before where it's like if if you put your voice out there but you do it in a way that is authentic and real to you like there's no bullshit there's no like yeah. tossing over it or no it's it's this or it's that or you right. know and, and 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 it may well change your opinions may well change and your thought may well change around it but but where it's coming from allows for people to really hear it and i and that's, I think, where, where the transformation can really happen.
1: Yeah. And it's freeing. I mean, it's very freeing. I I go to the grocery store and, I mean, not, not to insinuate that everybody I know reads my blog. I know that they don't. But a lot of people, you know, have come up to me and... And it's like the bullshit is just out of the way, you know? I mean, I, I, I'll stand in the checkout aisle and if somebody has read something and it resonated with them and they have something they want to say to me, they just come up to me and say it. You know, we don't have to get through the talking about the weather and, you know, like all of the inanities before we get to the, the meat the stuff that I actually care about, the juicy stuff, you know? Like we've already just crossed all that stuff out of the way because I said, hey, here's my, here's my soul. So feel free to give me yours. And, and those little moments, I mean, they're just everything.
0: Yeah, there's a sense of real deep connection um, to yeah. themselves, to your story, to life, because they see themselves in your story. And I, yeah, that's really beautiful. Um, so one of the questions that comes to mind as I'm hearing you speak was, you know, what are some of the insights that you've had around... Motherhood around because I mean, it's amazing, Liz, that you blog and that you're working and that you have three kids. And (laughs) well, now I have four, and now you have four like, wow, okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But no, I mean, it's not amazing, it's not amazing. It's just I I always say that I'm doing a lot of things, but I'm doing none of them well. So, I mean, I, I think I could probably drop. 75% of the things that I'm trying to accomplish and do one of the things really well but what's the fun in that I'm just going to continue to do 500 things kind of mediocre maybe
0: (laughs) I guess it's a personal choice right (laughs)
1: but I mean like I said before and storytelling is my thing, you know, and I don't, I don't think that that it needs to be everybody's thing, but I think that people need to find their thing that keeps them alive and vibrant and connected and healthy. I mean, you know, for some people that's writing for some people that's exercising, you know, for some people it's dance or, Food or cooking or I don't know. I mean, it could be anything, but I I do think that people need to make time for that because it makes you alive in every other aspect of your life. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I am a better mother because I'm able to write because I make time to write. It makes me a better mother. And now that my children are getting older, my my older two especially, it helps me talk to them because I'm connected you know people tell me stories I'm connected to people who blog about having older children you know who have gone before me so I'm I read their stories and I'm I feel like I'm more prepared and more connected to my kids so it doesn't need to be like I'm making time to write and I'm taking it away from my family it's all kind of the same thing (laughs) I think I'm not saying that in a way that makes sense but you know, I'm all—I'm the same person no matter what arena I'm standing in. I—I'm writing as a mother, and I'm mothering as a writer. If that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, I think it does. I think there's something to be said for letting that creative expression out, because otherwise, it will just vent itself somewhere else. You know. Um, yeah. That
1: is the thing that I am constantly telling people: is find find a way. To to let your story out and it doesn't have to be words, you know, I mean, it could be uh, sculpture. I don't know. I mean, it could be anything, but find a way to let that out because that's where the transformation happens. You know, that's where the healing happens. I look at some of the words I wrote four years ago when I started and I'm not there anymore. You know, I'm not that person. And that's because those words came out.
0: It's even like conversation. What I'm finding actually through these, through these podcasts is, the capacity to have these conversations and you don't know where oh, the yeah, going to go. Like you don't right. know where writing's going to go. It just comes out. And yep. what I find is, is there's an insight that shows up when you listen to someone and you're, and you hear them really insightfully hear them. Like you insightfully hear yourself as, as you write. Like I imagine, you know, I write too. And, and one of the things I find is it just flows sometimes and it's through that flow. I'm like, Oh my God, I didn't even know that. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I? Who am I? Who is yeah. writing this for me actually? Yeah. So I, 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 you know, any form of expression, I see it as an, as an opportunity to transform as you see it differently. Cause I'm assuming that by looking back on your writing, you don't see it in the same way that you used to when you wrote it. Oh
1: God, no, no. I mean, and I, I, I still feel connected to that person. I mean, that's what's kind of nice about having that, you know, being able to go back and look as I like can say, oh, yeah, well, that's that's how I felt then. That's who I was then and feel this connection with that instead of, you know, just struggling to remember what I had for breakfast yesterday.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can relate to the latter. <laughs> <laughs> So I know that before we went on this podcast, you shared something about your mother and I was curious to follow that line of of, um, questioning um, and and share more about that. Because I know as moms, um, you know, we have children, but like be nice to talk about sort of being a mom, but also having had the mom and, and what your experience of that has actually been.
1: So, um, my mother, my gr- growing up was, was fine. I mean, I didn't have this terrible childhood and I have to be very careful to not present it like that. I, I had a beautiful childhood, but my mother was mentally ill, um, and got progressively worse, um, as we got older. And especially as my, my sister and I were adults, um, and, and left the house. Um, so she, she was also an addict. Um, and our relationship was pretty strained, uh, for the last 10 years of her life. And then she took her own life, um, four years ago, which is, I mean, if it, you're paying attention right around when I started writing, which is no coincidence. I mean, that was, yeah. that was the outlet for that, you know, and, and that was partially by design because when you live with somebody who is mentally ill and an addict, um, or you love somebody, a lot of times, and in our situation, it it was a secret. You know, we weren't allowed to talk about any of that stuff. Um, It would have hurt my mom's feelings terribly had I, you know, gone around saying stuff like that, had I been open with anybody about how how hard our lives were, how hard, hard her life was. Um, and I, I've said a couple times and I truly believe she she died of a disease of silence you know if she, if she had been able to own her story and talk about her story if she had grown up in a different time when that was more encouraged I don't think we would have ended up in the same situation so part of the reason I believe wholeheartedly in being honest um, and speaking our truth is because she didn't get to wow
0: that's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling quite emotional right now. Oh, <laughs> it doesn't usually happen. I'm sorry. It's
1: heavy. It is heavy. It's some heavy stuff. I've I've had a lot of practice in, uh carrying it around, but you haven't. So sorry to put it on
0: you. No, not at all. Like there's, there's a real sense of compassion and, and, and yeah, like, The disease of silence, I'd never really heard that before. And I I can really understand what you're saying in that.
1: We stood in the receiving line, my sister and I at the funeral, and every single person came through and said, I had no idea. She was so beautiful. She was so put together. She was so perfect, you know, just over and over and over again. And at what cost? I mean, that's the question, you know, at what cost? Yeah, she was, beautiful and uh had a high, powerful job and um the house looked amazing, and she drove the right car and wore the right clothes and you know but she was miserable but what a beautiful so I, yeah <laughs> and it's funny because you know I mean, I can say that now it's been it's been four and a half years since she died um but at first, when I first started writing. It, I was angry, you know, I was, um, numb. I was a lot of other things that all came out so that, you know, when I say that I've, I've seen this evolution and the things that I've said, that's, that's a big part of it. You know, it took me a long time to, uh, come to a place of just genuine compassion and empathy for her and, and grief, but that took time. You know, at first I just wanted to, Burst out of this bubble and scream, you know. Hey, we weren't okay. <laughs> this wasn't okay. Just so you know, all you people who thought we were okay, we were not okay. But then, amazingly, you know, it, it, just like I said in the grocery store, like as soon as I said, "Hey, my mom was not alright," and she took her own life, people started coming up to me and saying. Me too. You know, my brother, my mother, my father, my husband, my wife, whatever. Somebody I love. Our situation is the same. And it's another one of those things that people just really don't talk about, but it's there. And I think we should talk about it.
0: Yeah, especially because of this disease of silence and And not there are certain taboos around certain things like death or addiction or yeah. sex infidelity um right which are actually it's interesting, right so it's not the thing itself, it's the stories around the thing it's the th- the 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 beliefs and the constructs we've made up about those very right. things. Um, that stop us from being able to talk about them, not the thing itself. Right. What people would say, how they would react, um, the fear of being rejected. I guess. Uh, yeah, because you know, um, when I was a when I was a teenager, I, I had many suicidal episodes, a lot of suicidal thinking. And I felt very alone. I didn't really know who to go to. Um, And I would douse myself in alcohol and a lot of suicidal thinking that would happen. But I didn't go out and do it until I was in my 20s when I actually took action. Um, It didn't work, obviously, and I'm still here today. But it was a very lonely, lonely place. And... I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't understand why I felt the way I did. And I felt like I had no one to talk to because nobody really understood. Everybody else around me seemed like they had it totally together. Yeah. In that moment, if there'd been someone to talk to, um, or at least that would have said me too, I can really see how that would have helped a lot in terms of having a connection, in terms of being understood, in terms of all of the things that, we're all yearning for in some way, shape or form, I guess, which is to be understood, to be recognized, to, to actually be loved. Everything. (laughs) We are the good, the bad and the ugly, right? Um, Yes, absolutely. But being able to share that almost breaks through this fear of rejection.
1: I'm a suicide survivor myself. I attempted suicide when I was 18. And you know, a lot of people, I think, think that people who, who choose that, who go down that path, do so because um, the emotion is so overwhelming, you know, whether it's anger or sadness or um, depression. And, and I, I almost think it's the opposite. It's, it's this numbness that comes from that sense of isolation. It's this, this idea that you're inconsequential. Nobody understands nobody's connected to you and and nobody's gonna care if you're there or not. you know it's it's like emotional apathy. and that I think is the danger of of this disease of loneliness of not speaking up and connecting of letting I want to say letting yourself, but that implies you know that it's somebody's fault, but it, staying alone in the dark because the dark lies it tells
0: you that there's nobody that cares. Yeah, and nobody understands. I mean, I order, you know, had anorexia as well, and that was also... <laughs>
1: oh, girl, me too. We're like soulmates. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: We're
1: like hot mess
0: soulmates. <laughs> no wonder I gravitated <laughs> towards you, not even knowing that that was the case. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's amazing, though, because actually the more people I speak to, the more they've gone through that too. So it's not like yeah. it's, it's quite usual, actually. But as you say, like if nobody's talking about it, it seems bloody unusual and you feel like the are yeah. out. but everybody's going somehow got some sort of picture of, of that in some sort of shape or form, but nobody's talking about it. Right. So it's this vicious circle. Um, but to give it a voice, you know, as you're saying, it's just give it a voice and to have you and me, you know, for example, talk about it in a very kind of normal way. And I'm not wanting Uh to belittle it, just saying that it's possible to actually move through it and come out of it the other end and still be here and actually be fully self-expressed because actually this is what we're really talking about is to be fully self-expressed. Um, But I guess coming back to what we were saying, you know, before, like sort of what came to mind was what would happen, you know, if somebody is going through a really tough time, a dark time, something that's really full on, um, but they feel they're so fearful of the rejection, um, and, and that they won't be loved if they, if they just stepped up and started sharing. Um, what would you say to that? Like, I know we've touched on it a little bit here with regards to just write for the people that you want to write for and don't worry about the rest. But is there anything else? You know, speaking our truth, it seems to be easier said than done because there's a lot of sense of like, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to be a nuisance. Oh my
1: God, it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. It's still terrifying every single time I hit publish. But I will, I said this recently to somebody who I was, because like I said, I'm always trying to encourage people to write, and and everybody's always like, shut up, Liz. Stop saying that to me. (laughs) I said to one of my girlfriends the other day, um, we were talking about this, and I said, yeah, you know, I've been called every name in the book. I've gotten, you know, terrible, threatening, hate-filled messages uh, at every avenue. People will read something, like you said, on the Huffington Post and go through the trouble. Of finding my personal email, which takes some digging and send me an email about what a terrible human being I am. But but that was never in response to any of the stuff that I shared that was the big stuff. You know what I mean? Like When I say, hey, parenting is hard, people are like, shut up, you stupid bitch. But when I say, listen, I'm a survivor. I tried to kill myself when I was 18 and I'm still standing here. I have never ever had anybody say anything negative to me when I said something deep soul-sharing like that. And and I, I mean, I've said a lot. I have a lot of those kind of stories to tell, and I've told a lot of them, and I've never had anything but positive feedback, you know, here's my story, or here's my support, or, you know, I think it's incredible that you're doing this. and, And I don't do it because I need that validation, but what I'm saying is I think your community is there. That's what I think. And, and people aren't going to come after you for owning your story and standing up and telling it. They'll come after you for saying, you know, I, I haven't slept through the night in 10 years and I'm tired because my kids wake me up. And they say, well, what the hell? I, what did you expect? Why did you have children? Shut your legs, you dumb more." But <laughs> they don't come after me for, for the real stuff. And I can take it on the
0: other end. I don't, you know, who cares about that? Yeah, I've not seen it in that way. And yeah, there's something to be said for that really touching somebody's heart, touching somebody's soul, touching that sort of place of real compassion. Um, But also there's something else, which is that if our feelings are created through our thinking, um, and we're not responsible for anybody else's reality other than their own, then it would suggest that regardless of what people think or say, the important thing is here for you to liberate yourself regardless of what the other person thinks of you. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I and, mean, you know, at my, at my deepest, darkest bottom, as a writer, you know, when I first started writing, when when I was coming out of postpartum depression and then shortly thereafter when my mother died and I was just totally broken. I didn't even have any readers. You know, I wasn't writing so that people could say, yeah, you're amazing, you know, keep going. I was writing so that the words could go somewhere. It was writing in an attempt to try to figure out how I felt and what it meant, you know, and where to go. And in the end, I think that's what matters. I mean, I love the community that I've built and I I think we're pretty amazing, but I'd do it if there was no one there.
0: Oh, I really heard that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I really heard that. And and what I heard is I'm doing this for me. I'm not doing it for anybody else. I'm doing this to liberate myself. I'm doing this to free me, me up so that I can live more of this aliveness and this joy that is existent in me, regardless of what I'm thinking about myself.
1: Which I think ends up being a gift to the world anyways. Not I mean, not just me, but anybody, because then it makes me a better, whatever, a better wife, a better mother, a better friend, a better sister. You know what I mean? It, it, if I can work on healing myself that I can be more available to help the people that I care about. So, yes, I agree with you that, yes, I'm I'm doing it for me and we should all be doing these things for ourselves. But in the end, you're doing it for yourself so that you can give back, I think. It just That's just a cycle because that's how it's supposed to work.
0: Yeah, thank you for the add-on. <laughs> 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 because also what when I, when I was hearing you speak, I was like, actually, there's – if, if we create more space inside of ourselves, there's there's a, our capacity to be able to listen, truly listen to others. Yeah. Um, which is an opportunity for them to create space inside of themselves. And so it goes on and that's on. That's
1: how the world changes. Yeah. And it's exponential. I mean, really, I, I do think that's how the world changes. And I can love you better if my heart's not shattered. You know what I mean? It, I can... I can be better for you if I'm patched up together
0: (laughs) and then you can
1: patch up together and then you can go help other people. I mean, it sounds very hokey and idealistic. I know that, but I've lived in this world for years now and I think it's happening. I see more and more people every day, you know, standing up and saying, here's my story and more and more people standing up and cheering for them as they tell it. You know, I, I do think this is how we change the world.
0: I mean, I certainly seen it in my work, which is, you know, working with women to help them live a yeah. more joyful and alive life. And, and And I've certainly seen it that you know once they're impacted that they go off and impact others and they go off and impact others and they go off and impact others and it just ripple effects the ripple the ripple the ripple the ripple the ripple
1: Um, and god who better to fix the world than the mothers i mean we knew it was going to be the mothers anyways
0: right and for any blokes that are listening to this don't worry you're also cool
1: (laughs) i mean we love you too
0: (laughs) well actually So yeah, you're doing a great job. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, it's so interesting to me. I don't know if this happened to you, but I didn't realize how much bullshit I was carrying until I had my son. Oh. Like, honestly, like, you know, I'd done a lot of work on myself. You know, i have been in this industry for like 14 years. I'd seen a lot. I've, I've you know, done all the seminars, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, wow, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good, you know? And then I had my son. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no. And then the universe
1: is like, yeah. Yeah, right. really? Uh-huh. uh-huh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't think so. I think we're going to give you some shit. So, um, yep. th- yeah, and it was, and it's just been this huge journey of, wow, I did not know. I knew, I did not know that I had that behavior inside of me wow, I did mm-hmm. not know that I thought that. Oh my God. I didn't know mm-hmm. that I, I was that mean or that nasty or that impatient or that hokey. I, I did not know that. Like I, And I see these behaviors yeah. and I'm like, wow, they would not have been there. Like I would not have known that if I hadn't had my son. And um,
1: What a whole new, Capacity for healing, though, really. I mean, it's like you stripped away all these layers, you know. My husband and I have this. Like, wow. (laughs) I don't think I've told anyone this, but my husband and I have this thing that we say, like, everybody is carrying around a bag full of shit. You know, I mean, especially as we get older and people have had all these life experiences, like, you know, some people's bags might be more full than somebody else's, or somebody's might be more fragrant than somebody else's, or something, but we're all carrying our shit, you know? I mean, we're all trudging through this experience carrying our shit. And whatever we can do to make that load lighter, you know, God, why wouldn't we do it?
0: Have kids. <laughs> <laughs> Have kids and unload it. The first
1: time, the first time I screamed at my kids, um, and now I'm on I'm on record as saying yes, I scream at my kids sometimes. It does happen. But the first time I did it, I couldn't talk afterwards because my voice had never done that in my life prior to having children because I was never a yeller. But having children made me a yeller. You know, <laughs> I was using parts of my body I'd never used before. Apparently, my vocal cords. So, yeah. I mean, it changes you. It makes you do things you don't even recognize.
0: No, right? And it was interesting. Um, I, um, I think I've shared the story before, but it feels pertinent to share it again. Which is, I used to really dread my son coming home, and I know for any mother that's listening to this, be like, "Oh my god, how awful!" Yeah, no, I used to, and it, and it was, and it was getting in the way of me being able to just enjoy my, my. Um, relationship with him it's not like i was doing it on purpose it was just this dread that would fill up and i'd be like oh my god what am i gonna, what am i going to do with my son when he gets home how am i going to entertain him how am i, I? anyway so um i would find anything else to do aside from just being with him so i'd you know yeah. I'd i'd go into the kitchen i'd start making dinner or i would just do anything other than be with him and I was finding this really, really difficult because I was like, I really want to connect with my son, but I'm finding it really hard to do so. And I remember going to the park that day and suddenly just hearing this voice inside of me that just said, it's okay. The way you feel is the way your mother felt. You don't need to carry uh, it. And I was like... Now I'm getting emotional. Right? I did not know that. But I, I do... do- Yeah,
1: you said any mothers listening to this would be like oh my god how horrible and i i do not agree with that statement i think any mothers listening to that would say yeah girl i get you i feel that sometimes i mean yeah who doesn't feel that sometimes that's the struggle i mean i I, when i was researching your podcast and i i was thinking about um you know, joy and and what joy as a mother is, and it's not this idea. I don't think, anyways, of like you know, Donna Reed in an apron smiling all the time because everything is wonderful and we love vacuuming and we love you know preparing dinner. It's those moments. It's moments. You know, like life is. It, it's a series of beautiful moments interrupted by you know a whole lot of crap all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, you, your kid comes home from school and oh, of course you're excited to see your child and you love your child, but it's also okay to say, uh, okay. Here we go. You know, I have <laughs> to I have to do this now.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And I, I
1: think that's it. That's like the duality of motherhood right there, you know. That's the joy and the pain all mixed up together. It's a perfect example. Yeah. That's us yeah. working through our shit.
0: Yeah, and 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 to know that the behaviors that have come around didn't really belong to, didn't belong to me. Um, Yeah. That was really cool to see. They didn't belong to me and then I could drop them. That was also very cool to see. And, and to to know that my, my any kind of weird behavior that I have, that it's actually innocent, that it's not ever going to be intentional. Like, I don't, I don't know about you, Liz, but I don't intentionally go out and, and get angry at my son or intentionally become impatient. It just shows up in an energy, and I'm like, whoa, okay, here we go. Um, It's not something that is um, intentional per se. It just comes, and you're like, oh, okay, that was interesting. Um, But it's an opportunity for us to get curious about it, right, and to have more compassion towards ourselves um, Uh in some way, shape, or form. I don't know, maybe. And
1: then, therefore, or more compassion towards other people. You know, I mean, it's easy to be in the grocery store and see a mother screaming at her kids and go, Oh my God, you know, what's wrong with her? What's she doing wrong? But then you can see yourself in it. If you look at it a different way, you know, I mean, who hasn't been there, who hasn't been in a situation where, you know, they've been the person that's being judged by other people. If you can find compassion for yourself, I think therefore they're too they're You can find compassion for other people. And then again, we're back to, you know, creating this better world where we're all a little bit less likely to judge each other for the stuff
0: that shows up. Yeah. There's more love and understanding. I think that that's the really key thing here, which is, yeah, just love, more love and understanding for ourselves and for others. Um, So Liz, my love, what are you giving yourself permission <laughs> more of these days? Like in terms of, I asked this question, you know where this question comes from? It came from a place of like, often we, we, we stop ourselves from doing the very things that we want to do with our life because it's almost like I'm, I don't give myself permission to do that yet. And especially,
1: yeah,
0: especially as women. Right. I think so.
1: Oh my God. Yeah.
0: So I'm curious, like, What are you giving yourself
1: permission? Permission. Well, that's, it's funny that you should ask. I I just came from a writing conference, uh, which I wasn't going to go to. Um, And then at the last minute I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this because something in me was calling out that I needed it. And I structured, I mean, they had all these sessions like on, you know, how to, how to do Pinterest and whatever. And I was like, well that's all great and fine but i need the inspirational crap over here so i structured all my sessions so that i went to the you know like the pep talks like it was basically like a 72 hour pep talk with um an open bar which is like what heaven would be like if you ask me (laughs) um and and i came back from that like so refreshed and energized and ready to um you know, throw myself into some of the stuff that just like you said, I've been holding myself back just a little bit from you. And I think that's what we do. We say, yeah, I'd love to, uh, write my book. I'd love to, um, you know, write for other sites and freelance, but I'm going to grow really slow because that's what's safe and that's what feels comfortable to me. I'm going to, uh, write, just a little bit because that feels safe and comfortable to me. I'm going to tell that story, but I'm going to maybe leave out a couple of those details that make me look like a total a hole because that feels safe and comfortable to me. You know what I mean? And and so I'm kind of like, well, what if I just threw myself all in?
0: Let's oh, mate, what, right. what does that look like? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it looks like um totally feeling uh vulnerable and naked, you know, like that dream where you show up at high school and you have no clothes on it's like that, except all the time.
0: you know I was gonna say you're gonna take your clothes off,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and i don't I don't have my high school body anymore, so it's worse. <laughs>
0: i'm sure it's beautiful it's just you know, different, <laughs> to you've had four kids and i think you need to give yourself <laughs> so Liz, my that's love. kind of what all these you
1: know all these people who stood up and spoke who I, I stole my inspiration from they were like so what so what if you feel vulnerable and exposed i mean just feel vulnerable and exposed then it And that's like, it's kind of like what you were saying about how you realize that these behaviors are coming out of you. um, And as soon as you realize that it's involuntary, you know, that it's innocent, like you said, which is such a beautiful word for it, then you can just go, okay. I mean, this is what I'm feeling right now. And that's okay. Yeah. And as soon as you do that, you've kind of given yourself some freedom to move through it same as with the anger i think when you're yelling at your kid not you personally but you know the collective you when we're when we're yelling at our children in the grocery store as soon as you go oh my god what am i doing then you can kind of just go all right i'm gonna move through this
0: yeah because beating ourselves up about the fact that we've just done that doesn't help anybody it doesn't actually you know Uh even if you know even if we do do it it's okay but there is no there is no sense in in doing that and then beating ourselves up about it for months on end to kind of go, oh, yeah, like it just happened, and and it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to be human.
1: <laughs> okay. It's okay. I want that tattoo on my
0: forehead. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Liz, if someone wants to read your blog, and 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 say me too, where can they find you? So it's
1: just my name, LizPatrone uh, which is. Patron, not like the tequila, unfortunately. So it's L-I-Z-P-E-T-R-O-N-E. Lizpatron.com.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Liz, uh, for being on the show today. Thank oh, you. I, I so enjoyed this conversation. <laughs> I know, I could definitely keep going for a long time. Oh god, me too. We're gonna have to do it offline. or <laughs> well, part two, part three,
1: part oh, four. Cool. Every yes, day we'll have part a, like, two. Day.
0: It's it's a Liz Petrona Marina show, <laughs> yay! Yes, yeah. So, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was wonderful to hear. I mean, just what a beautiful way to talk about you know self expression and and to do it in your way. Because um, I guess it's you know of ways of doing it. So. And for those of you that have been listening, hopefully you got as much out of it as uh, as we both did, actually. Um, <laughs> until the next time. Bye and there now. you have it. Another wonderful episode of The Joy of Being. If you loved what you heard here today and it's been helpful, why not subscribe or share the podcast with others? And if you're curious as to how you can experience more joy in your life and feel carefree, then I invite you to download your Joy Catalyst scorecard at www.marinopearson.com scorecard which will help you identify the joy gaps and what you can do to fill them and remember you can find me on Instagram at Marina Pearson or my Facebook group The Joy of Being so until next week's episode remember you are the joy you seek